0: Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. Today, my guest is Doug Lofstrom. Doug, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for allowing me to come on in.
0: Doug, you are a, uh, an artist, among other things. It's uh, your artistry that's probably the thing that has you know made me aware of who you are. So, Doug, tell us a little about yourself.
1: So, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, sir. Yeah, well, as, as long as we're talking about the art, I, suppose, I presume you'd like to chat a little bit about we art could, and how we, I got we, into it. We could it. start there, but, so, you know... Um, or I could start a little bit earlier. Let's let's go a little earlier. Okay. By the way,
0: I, I hate to do this, Doug, but before we get started, how old are you? 81. 81. Mm-hmm. You, I think you... At this point, you have the distinction of being the oldest person I've had on the
1: podcast. Oh boy, I'm so number one in something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so yeah. go ahead, let's All hear right. a little about Doug. Okay. Well, uh, I'm not highly educated. I come from you know uh, you know laboring people, mm-hmm. and I uh, just I graduated from high school in 1956. Uh, Spent a couple years, I was drafted in the United States Army, spent a few years knocking around after that in various jobs and opportunities that I had. I was a real estate developer for some time, uh, and I was married for 51 years Mm. uh, to Margie, and Margie passed away December 31st, 2010. Uh, But prior, you know, in the interim, I had been in a lot of businesses. Some were great successes, and some were failures. None had anything to do whatsoever with art. Uh, my wife Margie was an artist, and so I learned a little bit about art just by watching her. Uh, after Margie passed away, I met Carol, and mm-hmm. I know you don't want to go into a huge thing about me, but oh, I, I, but I met all about you. Carol, and I got together, and and all kinds of things changed after that. A good friend of mine here in Edmonds, Clayton Moss, who's a great graphics mm-hmm. designer, as we all know, yeah. uh, said to me one time uh, after I'd got together with uh, Carol, he says, "You know, Doug." oftentimes when we're talking you say since I met Carol and so <laughs> and so since I met Carol all kinds of things changed for me Carol's a cellist she's sitting here with us today and she plays the cello cello quite well and she's also a, a pianist of some repute and uh, and uh, but to get back to what I'm doing art way back when when my, with my first wife mm-hmm. uh, i would suggest to her that she paint big and yeah. she did she did paint big once in a while and she was a very good artist and I thought that if I ever paint or become if I could ever paint anything at all I would paint on a great big canvas yeah that's what I'd like to do so about two years ago 25 or 26 months ago my neighbor Nancy McDonald out on the View Drive gave me a great big canvas because she didn't want it anymore. It's one of those Kmart mart canvases. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, a bunch of sunflowers or something. I thought, this might be a chance for me to take a crack at painting. Okay. And so I did. I laid this thing down in our garage and tried to paint something on it, and it was just horrifyingly bad. Uh, then I painted a number of other things on the same canvas, and one day something turned out. It turned out to look kind of cool simultaneous with that occurring the political season was starting Mm. and while Mm -hmm. I was just fooling around with this painting and trying to make something out of it the Donald Trump Hillary Clinton thing got started Mm -hmm. and I and it was so mesmerizing where I Carol and I had not watched TV in five years except for 60 minutes Mm -hmm. but now we both became engrossed in this watching Trump fiasco yeah and I became so irritated with the whole thing. I said to Carol, Carol, I've got to do something mm. because this is I am gonna go crazy with this thing. It is so mm. irritating to mm. watch this. I mean we're at that point seventy nine years old and I don't wanna have anything like this in my life if we can avoid it. Yeah. So so uh at, at that point I told Art. I mentioned to Carol, I says, You know what? I think I'll I'll become an artist. And Carol mm. said what do you mean? I said, I'm going to, I said, I'm going to start, a, we'll start a painting business. Uh, what do you mean? She says again. I said, well, look, here's the deal. Uh, I'll paint 25 paintings. Okay. Because we have to have an inventory, right, Carol? I mean, this is not the way business works. You must have an inventory. Sure. So, I, she said, really? And I said, then we'll sell a couple paintings. We'll have, and, and as we sell a painting, then I'll, Refill the inventory. There you So go. always have 25 paintings in inventory. And she looked at me like I was just totally nuts. And she said, Doug, you will never sell a painting, ever. You don't even know how to draw. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I started. So I started painting.
0: So you picked up a brush. I
1: picked up a brush, went down and bought a few things at Art Spot. Yep. Bought three, you know, three tubes of paint, uh, a couple canvases, and away I went. And uh, by December, this was in October of 2016. By December uh, 24th of 2017, we had 25 or 30 paintings. They were just plastered all over the place. And, Mm. you know, they were, well, some, I don't know what kind of quality, but they were there. And some guy walked into our home. Well, actually, I'll tell you his name is Michael Keeley, who's a friend of mine at Windermere. Uh, broker, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh my gosh, you know, it's the 24th of December, and I haven't purchased anything for my for Sylvia." He said, "I think I'm get her something. It's like three in the afternoon. <laughs> so he said, "What would you take for that painting, that particular painting?" And yeah. I, I said, uh, "I thought, what the heck, you know, thirteen hundred dollars." I tell him, "Yeah." And so we kind of haggled around, and he ended up paying me six hundred fifty dollars <laughs> in a check. And Carol and I, when he walked out the door. <laughs> We both go. Hi f- and we were seventy-nine year old people jumping up and down in the living room, high-fiving each other, looking at the picture of Mike Keeley and me in the check. <laughs> wow. And it was just an amazing occurrence. And that started the whole process. And at that moment I kind of went from goofball painter to yeah. artist. Yeah. Professional artist, right? Sort of? Sure. And from there on, you know, it was pretty soon somebody else, another guy came in and I thought I'd try that same little number on him. Yeah. He says, Well, you, about two or three weeks later, this guy, Bill McLeod is his name. Bill came in and he said, Hey, I like the looks of that painting. You know, I like the colors and everything. Well, yeah. What, what would you take for that? Yeah. And I say, $1,300. Mm-hmm. And he says, OK. And that's how the business started.
0: So this time you said it with a straight face.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Got the other it. thing is that I didn't bring in much about Donald Trump. I just wanted to do one thing. I guess I have Donald Trump to thank for all of this. I mean, are we on? We're on. Oh, <laughs> we're recording. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I have Donald Trump to thank for all of this is, yeah. is that I despise the guy. Mm. But if it hadn't been for him being so obnoxious, mm. I probably wouldn't have continued on as an artist. You know because i he kind of, that kind of gave me the impetus to go into something brands banking new that I'd never thought I could do in my life, yeah uh, just because I had to get away from him so and that has been a marvel uh, to both Carol and I hmm. We have now have dozens of associates acquaintances, and friends that we never would have had if it hadn't been for this art yeah enterprise yeah uh, it's been. You know, in a way, phenomenally successful. Hmm. And another, for one reason, this paid for itself. Sure. You know, as a just a getting started on something for a couple of years, understanding a little bit about business to go in the black after two years. Yeah. You know, as you know, as a businessman. Yeah. Is not so bad.
0: That's great, and um, I'm assuming you were retired, but
1: uh, oh yeah, perhaps but, not. <laughs> yeah, we were. I had retired from Windermere. Okay. Uh, and one of my
0: real estate agents, yeah, as a yeah. broker,
1: and one of my guys that's really helped me a great deal, benefactor in a way, mm-hmm. has been Greg Hoff. Okay. Because Greg, one day I noticed, you know, people want, we want to hang our painting somewhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, every, every artist wants his stuff out there. I guess not every artist, for sure. Those of yeah. us with oversight big egos, I guess. We too. we. By the way, we've got
0: one of your beautiful paintings hanging in our office, and uh, if people look at the. Uh, podcast notes, they'll see a picture of uh, Carol, Doug, and I in front of that painting. And yeah. we'll have links to all your uh, website and all that uh, included yeah. in the show notes. Oh, so oh, people want to find that. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
1: One day I noticed, when I was sitting down at the Café Louvre, the gigantic wall that Greg Hoff has in his lobby of the building itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, I worked up my nerve and asked my friend Greg yeah. if I could hang some paintings on his wall that big wall and he said go for it and so then I ended up you know putting paintings all over the Windermere building right and so that's sort of been my uh, studio in a way not Mm -hmm. a working studio but a place that I could call mine because as you know rent here in Edmonds is quite expensive and and while it would be ideal I suppose to have a little space somewhere yeah you know to display it free is better than paying sure and Greg has been so helpful that way in a very wonderful way
0: and uh, you are so. What do you think about Edmonds, in terms of you know the uh, the acceptance of artists? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of opportunity, uh, a lot of art in Edmonds, right?
1: I I think it's a fabulous place, and one of the tests that I had in this whole endeavor is. Uh, after painting for two or three months, or maybe it was May of two thousand and seventeen, I recall this quite well. Uh, I <laughs> had borrowed; we had an old pickup truck that Pat Shields, a local guy here, yep. good friend of ours, yep. uh, had loaned us for some time. We didn't need it, need it; he just had it was extra, so we had it in our bunch of cars around our place. Yeah, and uh, I said to Carol, "I think I'll. Why don't I take my paints and stuff and just go down?" You know in front of like near angles tavern mm-hmm. and uh, paint in public okay and so uh, we agreed that might be an idea Crazy, mm-hmm. sound. so check with the police first i didn't so i just yeah really i that thought occurred to me can you actually just go down and stand in the street and paint yeah so i did i drove down there and gosh it was really a nice day and i had a just a piece of raw canvas, that means it wasn't stretched on a stretcher board or anything, it was just a piece of canvas, four by six feet. And I laid it across the back of the pickup, actually hung it on the back of the pickup was duct tape. And right in front of the red twig and God and everybody, I started to paint and I, I felt like I could be just humiliated by doing this, because people could laugh at me, sure, <laughs> throw rocks at me, or you know, chortle as they went by, <laughs> but and so I, so it was kind of a step out uh, into an area that I, of life, you know, that I never thought I'd be able to do—to actually go out and perform, in a sense, yeah—in uh, yeah. front of the public, and it worked. I mean people were nice to me and they would stop and chat with me and they would, wanted to have their pictures taken with me. Mm-hmm. Probably just because I'm an old white haired guy out there. You know, <laughs> probably just being kind <laughs> to me, you know. Uh, yeah. And it, it became a thing that I did many, many, many times. And because you know, I know you're a marketing guy. sure. And mar- You know, to sell paintings is not an easy thing to do. Uh, uh, and I thought, well this is different, at least for Edmunds, to get back to Edmunds. Yeah. You don't see people standing around out in the street you know, painting. No. You go to New York or other places, you might see it everywhere. I don't know about that, especially in the warmer climes. Sure. But here you don't see that. And so all of a sudden, the city of Edmonds, if you ask me what my address is for painting, it's the city of Edmonds. Hmm. Because back to the question, the city of Edmonds is very welcoming to yeah. The artists. Yeah. Extremely so. And that's what really got my name out there, was doing that. Hmm. And, yeah. and now, oddly enough, I mean, I'm not, used to that. I'm not famous by any means <laughs> whatsoever, but it is kind of, I think people will come up to me and say, oh, you're the artist. <laughs> I'm the artist? Yeah. I'm like, I'm the artist in Edmonds. Did yeah. It? I mean, there are, I got to tell you something, Pete. There are great artists in Edmonds. I can't carry the shoes right. of most of the artists right. in Edmonds. Right. Andy Eklashal. Yeah, David Mar- Marty. David Marty. Yes. Uh, Pam Harold, who moved away, I guess now. Um. Mike Regan, Clayton Moss. Yeah. These people are, are phenomenal artists. Yeah. So I just here I am out there, people are calling me an artist. It's like, mm. really? Mm. Really? You want to see some artists? Go visit Andy Eccleshall. There's an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Andy Eccleshall. He has that great personality and everything. And he's been very helpful to me. Because when I talk to Andy Eckers, so I usually start out by saying something really negative about my own work. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm sort of, I, you know, I look like him I'm humble to be in his presence, mm. Mm. and he always he says to me, Doug, Doug, you know, you're different, you know, you, yeah, yeah, you do your thing, don't you? Say that about yourself, right. Mike Regan, Michael Regan, I don't know, if it's Regan or Regan? But anyway, Mike R- Regan, you know, he's the Chuck Close of Edmonds mm-hmm. because he can do portraits that are dead right spot on, mm-hmm. on as far as portraiture goes. And he has, I've become a little bit acquainted with him, and he stopped by in our place, and he is, Seen me on the street in front of our house, just loading up paintings in a truck or something, and mm-hmm. he has advised me do this, do that. Mm. I pay attention to him. Mm. You know, I, if you are going to ask me eventually, who I, if I've ever taken any lessons, I have in a way. Mm-hmm. Just listening to these other great, uh, to these I should say, not other these right. artists out right. there that really have done it.
0: Right, right, right. So, what is this? What has this done for you? for your spirit, for your soul. I mean, I just feel the energy. What, you know, what, what, what is this meant to you outside of the
1: painting piece? It's an uplifting beyond belief. That's hmm. no, it is believable. It is. There are moments where things, incidents where, where something has happened during the painting process mm-hmm. that, makes me realize this is what I want this is what I should be doing mm. and I'll give you mm-hmm. an example yeah I was approached on the street by a woman named Pam Martin I was painting in front of the art spot here back in May of this year and she approached me and she said you know I had all these colorful paintings right in front of the art spot and Tracy is very nice to allow me to you know paint there mm-hmm. uh, it was on the third Thursday um, And she asked me, she said she liked the colors that I was using in my paintings and so on. And could I, would I do, do I do, would I, do I take commissions? And I said, well, yeah, I might, you know. And she said, "Uh, I I would like you to do a portrait of my son, Christopher Martin. And uh, what would you charge? And I told her, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so she said, okay, okay, she wanted me to do that. Uh, Then she said that her son had committed suicide a year ago, about 14 months ago. Uh, this was in May and and uh, it was June I mean and so uh, hmm. I agreed and I took it upon myself of course to, to to attempt to do this thing. She wanted him to be in the portrait, yeah, kind of like abstractly. So she said, yeah, yeah. and uh, and kind of get the family in there a little bit. You know, she had t- something tattooed on her wrist that reminded her of Christopher, mm. and her husband had had something tattooed on his ankle, a Celtic cross on his ankle, and she wanted to see that somehow in the painting, and she. The, she had this heart with the Christian cross bisecting it on her wrist. She wanted mm-hmm. that in there. Anyway, so I set about uh, painting this great big gigantic painting, four feet by six feet uh, to represent that. And I know I'm kind of beating around the bush a little bit of how to get to your question. What has it done for me? Yeah, but I'll get there quickly. We got all day. Okay, so I painted this painting, and I got the Christian cross in there, and I got the Celtic cross in there, and I got all the colors she wanted in this great big painting and it was very abstract it was very very cool uh but i i stepped back and said where's christopher Mm. because i hadn't been able i'm not a portraitist yeah and i got supposed to make this young man look like him and i got a you know a headshot of him a great headshot of him to look at and so uh, i mean that i was flummoxed by it because i just i was really kind of Fearful, I guess you would say, to attempt to do a portrait of someone and actually make them look like themselves. Yeah. And so, one night, one late afternoon, uh, Carol had left me to go somewhere, right? <laughs> and that, it was a beautiful afternoon on the deck of our house. We live right on Olympic View Drive. We got the gorgeous view of the mountains, of the water, the, all of this stuff. And I, I thought, she's gone. Ha ha. I think I'll pour myself a little martini. Mm-hmm. So I poured myself a martini and I had some paint and a canvas laying out there. just happened to be laying out there, a big white, big canvas, four foot by four foot canvas. Anyway, I poured myself a martini. Yeah, that really tasted good. Carol's not here, I wonder if I should pour a second one. I said, okay, Carol's not here, I will. So I had two martinis. (laughs) Yep. And then I thought, well, two are good, three are better, so I drank a third. (laughs) And then I'm looking at this canvas, and I'm thinking, I think I'll paint something. So I grabbed, everything was right in front of me. I had a a spatula, like a turner, a pancake turner there, metal pancake turner, the canvas, some white and black and paint, and I just tore into this canvas. I got down on my hands and knees, and I just start painting this thing. I paint, I paint, I paint this thing, and here I've got this big swirl of white and black paint, oh, it's just crazily good, I think, and the following morning, and I named it right then and there, Three Martinis. (laughs) <laughs> that's, the name of, that's the name of the painting. Nice. So <laughs> nice. the following morning, and this is where we're getting to the question, finally. <laughs> the following morning, I get up, and I'm standing in this our studio, which is the living room, dining yeah. room area of the yeah. house, and on this great big easel, I've got this painting. And I look at that painting, and I think to myself, I wonder if Christopher, this was a thought that runs through my head, now remember, it's black and white, and this woman wanted to paint you know, lots of color. Yeah. And I think to myself, I wonder if Christopher would like this. Hmm. Oh my God, hmm. here's what happens. This vibration starts around on my ankles, hmm. and starts working its way up my legs, and it is some kind of an electromagnetic field of some sort yeah. that is just whooshing through my entire body. Wow. And it got about mid-torso, and I yeah. said out loud, Chris, do you like this? Hmm. And it just exploded on me. It was the most unbelievable incident of any kind that I've ever had, almost. Because I knew that the soul, spirit of Christopher William Martin was standing right there with me looking at this painting, I about fell over. Wow. Then Hmm. I thought, maybe it's time to take a crack at painting him so i grabbed a 36 36 by 48 inch canvas yeah put it on the easel and started painting him Mm. and i nailed it i got him (laughs) i got him cold unbelievable it didn't it wasn't like i got him in that second it took me a day or two to get it finished when i was done it was i just i just stood there wow awestruck i did this huh no I didn't do this. I was guided by this. Yeah. Where? How? How does that work? I just finished a book called The War on Art. And written by a guy named, I think, Steve Pressfield. Okay. He talks about that. He talks about that sort of thing. That it's like, where does that inspiration come from? Mm Mm-hmm. So... It has introduced me, back to the question. (laughs) Yeah. It has introduced me to the muse. Mm. But he has another way of saying it. Okay. You're angels. Yeah. And so to further identify that, the angels, Mm -hmm. the muse, Mm -hmm. a second person contacted me after hearing about my painting of Christopher Martin. Mm Mm-hmm. Deborah Gettleman is her name. Mm-hmm. Deborah Gettleman's local, and she's an actor, actress, director, writer. She said, when she heard about me, she said, oh my God, uh, 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 my good friend Francine Sumner, she says, has a gala gala mm-hmm. in Phoenix coming up in December, Deborah says to herself, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna talk to Doug, and she did, And because Francine Sumner's son Zachary had committed suicide at age 16 also about a year ago. Oh. And asked me if I would hmm. do pro bono a painting of him. Hmm. And I at th- that point I fairly laughed at the idea. Yeah. Yay! Hmm. I said, "So I get his picture. A young kid you know 16 years old shot himself Mm -hmm. these these people that the parents don't mind me talking about right these because they've authorized me to do so yes uh and i didn't know that he had how he had committed how he had taken his own life by suicide zachary i didn't know at that time either how chris had done it Mm -hmm. Uh, but and i never wanted to ask but that was all volunteered to me later so i started painting a portrait of zachary and I had an awful time with this particular one. I could get just all I ended up with was kind of a white blob, you know, for mm-hmm. a face in the middle of this nice canvas and it had the background on and everything. And one night I went to bed thinking I, uh, I I'm gonna have to give up on this. I, I, can't do this. I'm just not able to nail this. I just don't have it. You know, I, yeah. You know, if I quit, I'm not even gonna paint anymore. Mm-hmm. Kind of thought. Mm. Uh, but again, I got up in the morning and I took a look at as I walked by the canvas. Because luckily we standing, I have to walk right by it to get in the kitchen, the, mm-hmm. the studio. And as I walked by it, I got right to it, and I went, wait a minute. And I, this is the muse, this is your better angels, this is whatever you want to call it. Mm. I just, luckily I have brushes and paint cans, I have gallons of paint and quarts of paint all over the place, and I just tore into it. And About 10 minutes later I got him. Mm. I had him, mm. I had him. I had fought and fought and fought with this thing, and what is that? Where hmm. does that come from? Where does that come from? It's certainly not any training that I've had. Right. It is, it's like your angels, your, those angels that are around you, you're the muse. You know, a lot of people don't believe in this stuff, but I do. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, if you, for, if you actually have that happen to you, you'll believe in it too. Right. So how, how, have, how has this impacted my life, if that's the word to use? hugely. Mm. Every time I think, oh, I'm not gonna, I thought that this morning. Something mm. happened yesterday that made me think, ah, I don't think I want to paint anymore. And then I get up and look around and go, hey, <laughs> this is nuts. This is really a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it has given us, both Carol and I, and Carol is just my best backer, my best friend, my best everything, right? But it's given both of us, me probably more than her, because I'm the one doing the paint, actual painting. Yeah. Uh, a sense of purpose.
0: Are there any businesses along the way that where you had not necessarily a similar experience, but something where you really felt like you were doing what you should be doing, and it really was you know something that was a success. It, w- whether it mo- monetarily successful or a success in some other way?
1: Rarely. 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 I'm like Winston Churchill famously said I go from one failure to the next. <laughs> 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 and. and uh, and that's my life, I think, Well, as far as business goes. Yeah. You know, there were businesses for. I, I went through bankruptcy twice, once okay. when I was just a kid. Yeah. You know, I didn't know, back in the 60s, yeah, you know, I actually went through bankruptcy over, you would think today, oh my god, why did you do that? And then later, for a, a much bigger reason, mm. uh, in 1960, or 79, or so, uh, or 80, I had a I was in bankruptcy over some real estate dealings. that were, mm. A lot of developers uh had that happen to them at that time. Right. So um I I've uh, been successful as a salesperson mm-hmm. on numerous occasions in my life yeah. with, with real estate, especially working with Greg Hoff at Windermere. Yeah. Um I mean he gave he gives everybody a great opportunity to be successful. Greg Hoff does. And that was monetarily. All that was money. Um, hmm. I've never, ever had success like I have had. Oh, here's, a good o- here's an opportunity for me to give you an example. Uh, let's say, well, back when I was selling real estate, if you sell, just don't want to give up all the secrets of real estate, but you know if, you, if a realtor lists a house and sells for a million dollars, say, yeah, their listing commission is $30,000. Okay. You know, you write up a little piece of paper. It's a lot more complex than that. But you know, you write, sit down with somebody, write up some paper, and you stick it out on the internet, and somebody comes along and buys it, and Greg Hoff writes you a check for $30,000. Right. It's like, oh my God, how could this be happening? $30,000. Yeah. When I sold that first painting, when, when I should say, when Mike Keeley bought that first painting for $650, to me, that was like five $1 million sales. Wow. 650 bucks. This is something I actually produced, and I actually did something, right. you know. So that I compare this art back to that success, and and the art is far greater because for some or what? Well, I don't. I know the reasons why, but the when someone purchases a painting, one one thing that happens then is the artist is instantly validated. There's right. a validation. Money is energy. Yeah. That's all money is is energy. Yeah. So they that person who purchases a painting from me has validated me by actually giving me some energy. And they take away something from it. Yeah. I mean they take this painting instead of paying six hundred and fifty or a thousand dollars for a couch, they've got a painting to hang on their house for years and years and years yes. and years. It never goes down in value, probably goes up. Uh, so what what it is, it's a matter of love, I think. Mm. You know, this is what love is all about. Yeah. This idea that happiness enters into this in a great way I'm very happy to while I was doing the painting I'm very happy when somebody comes along and purchases the painting and the person who gets it is very very happy with it and it comes back it comes back ten or a hundred times more uh, from a love standpoint than it originated as it, right. as it originated so right. th- that's uh, I don't know how that reflects back on the question because I just wander (laughs) off here all over the place, (laughs) but but that's the way I am.
0: That's uh, that's fair. So one of the questions I ask all my guests is, how do you define life done
1: well? I think that's a good question. It's when you receive ideas and act on them, and through that. Manifestation of the idea I mean, an idea is comes from somewhere else. I mean, who's the thinker of the thought? The idea comes in. we think we think of that that idea, and then but then to take that idea, to move on that nudge, that hud, that hunch, to move on it and actually produce something, that's sort of a heavenly thing to mm-hmm. do that mm. right is it? It's part. It's the universe. It's part of the universe is speaking to you, and so, a life done well. Is that the question? Yeah. Life done what
0: well. is life? How do you define? life I would done say well?
1: it is living and acting and speaking. I'm actually quoting somebody now, but thankfully I can remember things from the 1960s. Uh, with living, acting, speaking with great enthusiasm and passing that enthusiasm on to other people mm. to when i a life done well is when a person meets someone and that person who they meet feels better after meeting you than they felt before right over and over and over and over and over again that's a life lived and done well mm. if that's the reaction that you get from people when you speak to them mm. That's good. I mean, yeah, you can talk about raising kids and all that wonderful stuff. But when you're 81 or 82 years old, we're both going to be 82. You know, there's always this thing. What is your greatest success? Oh, it's raising kids and this, you know, getting my kids through college and all that sort of stuff. That's just, we're just all parroting that to each other. But it's true. That's a great, great, great success to do that. But later on, you look at things a little bit differently, right? Now, I am looking at life. Hmm. Was this a life done well? In a way, uh, the other, another answer to that is a life done well is a life living right, right smack dab now. Hmm. Being aware of where you are and what you're doing. Right. right. I think a life done well is not to set all these goals that we always talk about and let the goals, just, let the stuff just come in naturally. Hmm. Setting goals, by the way, can be harmful in a way. Because they always say, people always say, you hear it all the time, be careful what you, you know, pray for. Right? Right. Right. (laughs) Because you may get (laughs) that. Yes. Yeah. So as best a life done well is one acting on uh, circumstances as they occur and saying yes. Mm. Saying yes and, oh, I love that I could talk about this sort of stuff, Uh, and living outside your comfort zone. Now you've got me going. That is where it's really life out on what's known as the chaotic edge get out there and scare the hell out of yourself Mm -hmm. get out that's like when i went out and painted on the street every time i go out and paint on the street i scare the hell out of myself well i scare the hell out of myself all the time
0: well the Edmonds drivers
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah especially old people like us i mean
0: well i didn't want to say anything yeah
1: fifth and main just be careful
0: (laughs) get out there and do uh live on the edge that's great I want to go back to one thing you said about uh, creating and how um, uh, that that reminded me of a thought um, with respect to uh, our relationship to God, which is, you know, God's a creator. Right. And we're a reflection of God.
1: Right. We're creators. Exactly. I, I agree with that 100%. All of it. Whoever, whatever you think of as God, God, Allah, all, you know, God, goddess, all that is, yeah. whoever that entity is, yeah. however you think about that entity, yes, mm. we are a microcosm of the universe. Mm. As every a- atom, they say, in the universe is. And we're just a whole bunch of atoms stacked up in a pile, you know. A <laughs> so, bunch know. of electrons spinning around. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that just the other day. I read something that an ele- uh, atom... I read this in the New York Times. They were talking about measuring measurements. Yeah. And an atom oscillates something like 970 million somewhat. They know the exact number, right down to the exact number. Per second. Mm-hmm. One trillion. You mm-hmm. think this thing is solid? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything you look at, I mean, each atom is oscillating a trillion times, a, over a trillion times wow. a second, man. You talk about a lot of energy out there. Yeah. And that, by the way, when I had that vibration roll over me, mm. uh, after painting, um, before I started painting Christopher, that's what that energy is. When you feel that, you're feeling that electrical energy pouring through you. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. One other thing happened. When I had painted both of the boys that had committed suicide. Yeah. I had them up on basically two different easels, we'll say. And then I had also painted a painting of somebody that I referred to as Mother Ayahuasca. I have never taken ayahuasca. I don't take drugs, do drugs. Mm -hmm. But ayahuasca is a Peruvian or South American drug that's kind of moving its way around the world. You Mm -hmm. drink this stuff and you connect to the universe sort of
0: thing. Uh,
1: So I painted a painting of what I thought Mother Ayahuasca looked like. Uh, Mother Ayahuasca is is supposed like the female female. The, spirit, the female spirit of Christ, mm. one way of saying who ayahuasca, what what they've turned mother Iowa. So I paint a painting of what I think she would look like, mm-hmm. mother ayahuasca, four feet by four feet. And I put her right in between these these two paintings of the boys that had both taken their life by suicide, Zach and Christopher. And as I was standing there one evening with dim light, kind of dim light, just soft light in the living room, Carol was mm-hmm. maybe in bed sleeping or something. But you know, mm-hmm. I was out there all by myself. And I was looking at this, these three. And this feeling of love came Hmm. down over me it was this 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 huge warmth just flowed over me it brought me to tears wow because I was in the midst of this relationship with I know to be the universe Hmm. it was it was like a fit you could feel it was like a blessing and people always talk about blessings, you know, bless, bless, you know, all these blessings come from everybody. But if you get involved in one where you're actually blessed, where you right. actually feel it, you mm-hmm. say, wow, this is, this is some kind of a thing that's going on here mm. right now. That's what life is all about. This is being in the present. This is being in the now.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. What a blessing you've been to these, uh, these people that lost their, their loved ones.
1: Oh, oh I got to tell you, it is astonishing. I am no hero in this thing, that's for sure. I'm just, you know, I'm somebody who paints. Uh, the re- but what reflects back to me from the spe- these two mothers and the father of Christopher uh, is, you must when you feel some what the kind of love I get back from those guys. Mm. It's I'm not so sure I deserve all this. You know, mm. you know, it's it's just. It's why Mm. one lives, I think. I mean, it's why I'm living anyway. I guess I shouldn't say why one lives. It's a good reason to be around. Well, you've tapped into something. Mm -hmm. I've tapped into something. You've tapped into something
0: and other people recognize it.
1: Yes. And the, see, we just shipped yesterday, uh, two or three or four days ago, we shipped off to Boston the painting of Christopher well, actually it went to Edmunds first they have a home here the Martins have a home here and mm. Edmunds and one in Boston and one in Nantucket fortunately for them uh, and anyway that was went through the process of being shipped and then the painting of Zachary uh, Sumner uh, was also shipped at the same time mm. I re- the party Francine Sumner the mother of Zach uh, received it yesterday and I got a, and when she she texted me when she opened it up was created, she opened it up, she was just absolutely totally overwhelmed at what she was looking at you know the portrait of hmm. her son and it was big yeah. too yeah uh, and she tells me that you know yeah uh, that's all I just don't know how to explain all that hmm. i just, oh, I wish everyone at, would have an experience like i've had uh, with that sort of giving, yeah. That's that's a special
0: story. I really am glad you've shared it with us. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a few books. You mentioned Winston Churchill and uh, uh, others. Are there any books in particular that uh, you know you really would recommend to others? To uh, you know, this book here, you got to go read it.
1: Yes, you mean for art, for example, or just in general? on
0: any topic.
1: Oh, any topic at all? There are, okay, there are two. Uh, I, in 1986, I was introduced to my wife Margie. At that time, she wouldn't study much, but she would say she would read something and say, "You've got to read this." I mean, she'd read about a book and then suggest it. So she had read in my, uh, Psychology Today back in 1986. Uh, she said, "Hey, there's a there's this, this book. This, these books have been written called A Course in Miracles." And I think you ought to read it. And so, really? I said, You want to read it? No, she said, I think you ought to read A Course in Miracles. So I went out and I bought A Course in Miracles, which I couldn't understand really because it turned out it's a channeled reading. It's been channeled by someone at the University of Columbia University. Uh, uh, professor, mm-hmm. had heard this voice and written every word of it. It took her years to write this whole thing, and it was allegedly the voice of uh, Jesus Christ or the mm-hmm. voice of the Christ spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I, I would suggest it, that as a reading, although that's very intense and it falls right in line with Christianity and some Eastern philosophies and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's not a modern day book. Uh, and then another book i read that I still read is this, a book uh, by a seer by the name of Edgar Casey, who wrote uh, some, he never wrote anything himself, uh, but a great deal's been written about him. But he wrote uh, somebody, again, it was a mathematics professor of, up in Toronto, I think, mm-hmm. uh, wrote this thing, The Edgar Casey Companion. That book uh, has all this spiritual stuff, and it's all super positive things, you know, that are really, really good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we, both Carol and I love to read it out loud to one another, mm-hmm. you know, so we've read the biographies of, of uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, uh, General Ulysses S. Grant, and uh, Lincoln, uh, to name a few. Mm-hmm. I think those, those biographies are so powerful that uh, we've just recently read all of those, and Einstein uh, and Steve, the book about Steve Jobs. Mm. You know, mm. we have read those books. Mm. Um, and now for our artists, uh, any artist should read the Steve Pressfield's uh, book, War on Art, because there he's talking about the very thing we're talking about here, very spiritual, that, the, you know, this has probably been the most meaningful book to me recently in, in a long time. It's a very short little book, too. But it talks, speaks to resistance, resistance and procrastination. These are our enemies. That's our ego. That's fear. Resistance is fear. And so since I read that book, and since I got together with Carol, but anyway, since I read that book, <laughs> well, now I really, in particular, when I say now, I mean right now like within you know, these days that we're in right now. Yeah. This, when I walk by a canvas or something and I think maybe I should do this, I do it right then and there. Right. No procrastination. That's resistance. When I walk up to my, by one of my canvases in the studio and say, I think I'll go have a cup of coffee or call Clayton Moss, my good friend Clayton Moss, and go drink coffee, and I, I think, oh, oh there's resistance. Get back to the, hmm. get back to the idea of the canvas because my greater angels are flowing all, my, all around me right now. Let's get after this deal. So that book um and he speaks to in uh, war on art uh war of art war on art i think but anyway maybe i got the title wrong of all things that yes is the answer to most things i mean say yes i gave a little talk of a couple of weeks ago to art artists connect i think they call it down here on third street in the 3rd and the third dayton second and dayton i i've I was president of a local rotary club, so I'm not unaccustomed to standing up and talking in front of people. But yeah. now I was going to, uh, invited to talk to a bunch of artists, peers. Like, there were like 30 or 35 people that I spoke to that were better artists than me, and I'm going to talk to them how to do art. <laughs> <laughs> That'll give you... Did that, you get booed out of the room? or? No? <laughs> I felt like I should have been. <laughs> but, it, but anyway, that was... Where I just said, you asked me, you, this, very thing we're doing right sure. now. Sure. Would you like to come in and do a podcast? Yeah. I think, oh, huh? okay. Yes. So say yes. That's right. Say believe. yes. Say yes.
0: That's the secret to uh, a good
1: life. It is a secret to a good life. Say mm-hmm. yes. So before we wrap up, what else do you want to say? Before we go, there, I just want to say this <laughs> <laughs> that if you're out there listening to this, dear listener, uh, keep this in mind, that it's never over till it's over. Because I'm telling you that if you're in your late 70s or early 80s, and even in your 50s where you think it's all over or something, for God's sakes, that there's, it's never too late to learn or start something new. Get off your ass and do something. That's my advice to anybody. Mm. Say yes, do something. Even if it's wrong, that's it. Thank you, Doug and
0: Carol. It's been my pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I hope it turns out well. (laughs) I have no doubt. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and Life Done Well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.